This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Welcome back to The Verse, the podcast where one of us may be a scroll. Just one. Ooh. Um, on today's episode, we take a look at Disney Plus's latest Marvel series, Secret Invasion. And then we get ready to venture into Star Trek Strange New Worlds. But before we do, let's meet the team. I'm Norm. I'm Lucas. Uh, I'm Bridget. And I'm Emilia. And we're skipping the verse news so we can talk about what we all went through. What are you talking about? Norm's opening? I mean, it wasn't worse than usual. Hey! No, 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 Bibi. Dorothy, remember? Oh, no. Right now? That is not good. I- I'm just not ready for a challenge. Uh, Bibi, Emily is referring to the series of challenges we just did, Beyond the Door? Hello? Huh? Yeah, remember Dorothy went kind of nuts and had us interviewing the cast of the boys? Oh. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, it was actually kind of amazing. We got to speak with Anthony Starr, Chase Crawford. Don't forget Jack Quaid, which was like one of my personal favorites. BB, you love Jack Quaid. That must have been a real treat, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Huddle P. Uh, it was it was so much fun. Um, yeah, like the 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 best interview. Uh, I yeah, it was it was it was incredible. Oh my god, this is not good. What did I do? I, I don't even, I can't remember. I am missing full segments, and now this? What the heck is going on here? I hey, just, I, uh, I can't remember. Baby, are you okay? You're kind of spacing out right now. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm fantastic. Uh, yes, I'm so glad that I did not miss any, any of those interviews. Um, that, there, there wasn't anything else, right? Well, I mean, I know you weren't a huge Star Trek fan like Norm and I, but I mean, there was Terry Metalis and production designer Dave Blass from Star Trek Picard. I mean, that was pretty incredible, right? I mean, are you sure you're feeling okay, Bridget? Yeah, that that was an awesome conversation. Yeah, I'm really glad that we had them recorded so that we could share them with our readers. Episodes 97, right. A through E, just, just so everyone knows. Uh, Wait, readers? I would think listeners, but you know. Listeners. Maybe readers too. They do text, voice to text. I mean, guys, that is just, <laughs> that is just so, so great. Oh my God, I really don't have any idea what's going on here. Um, I, I guess, like, no one seems to notice that I, I don't remember anything. So uh, we're just gonna, we're, we're gonna continue. We're gonna go with it. Uh, BB? Uh, yeah. So I was saying how great that was for us on the verse. Like, yeah. Uh, so, uh, what are we covering today? Mm, I think we should start with Secret Invasion. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, let, let's get going before I completely, you know, blink out on that one, too. What? Hmm? What? What? I mean, let's just get going, because I am just so excited to start talking about Secret Invasion. Okay. So, Secret Invasion... (laughs) 
Uh, we got Sam L back. Yeah. Oh my God! With did we get him back beard. with a beard? With a beard. <laughs> and no patch. And without the patch. Yeah. But like without cool scars. He has like some. Yeah, awesome they would be cooler if we scars on his face. still didn't know where they came from. What is it called? <laughs> the cat is out of the bag. A flurkin. It's a yeah, flurkin. It's a goose. Flirkin. It was from goose. It's a flurkin cat. <laughs> who will be? Who will return? By the way, goose. Thank God. <laughs> But yeah, what is this show about? Let's just like do a brief synopsis, which is well, Nick Fury so, learns of a clandestine. Oh, sorry. Go, no, go, Nick, ahead. go ahead. Nick, Fle- Nick Flurry. Nick Flurry. <laughs> Nick Flurry from McDonald's. <laughs> Dude, I would love a Nick Flurry. Right now. Uh, Nick Flurry learns of a clandestine invasion of Earth by Skrulls. Yes, it's set in the present day. Uh, <laughs> Now, MCU post-blip and all that, post-whatever else has happened in the MCU since the blip. And uh, he's back from being in space. Because last we heard of Nick Fury, he was in space doing space-cation. On space-vacation, yeah. it seemed like. Space-cation. No, he was actually Although working, he wasn't on space <laughs> But that was in a few post-credit scenes, right? That was in the um, Spider-Man yeah. Far From Home post-credit yeah. scene, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, he uh, took a what? What is? What do they call it? Working? Not working from home. <laughs> working remotely to a whole new level. <laughs> he was working remotely. Yes, satellite working, as we call it. <laughs> and he had so, Talos filling in for him on the uh, so uh, was, on Earth. Was that like a promotion? Was Talos ever? Have in, we ever uh, seen Talos you know, before? Working for the shield like, outside of the post credit. Be- besides, uh, you know, Captain oh, Marvel. I Captain Marvel. Seen Captain yeah. Marvel since it came out. <laughs> yeah, it's which is by the way, in retrospect, that was I a love good Captain one. Marvel. Like, I got to rewatch it because it, it was good. I just I really got so didn't much mind hate it. for some reason. It, 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 I think Brie Larson it, got yeah, a lot I didn't of mind hate. It. it was I don't know if it was so much the film. Well, Brie Larson just yeah. apparently gathers a lot of hate for They're I just don't jealous. understand why. They're jealous Because she's her, awesome yeah. and she can that. sing. Great hair. And she has great hair. She was great in uh, Sp- exactly. Scott Pilgrim vs. <laughs> World. Anyways. Well, so Norm, can you maybe shed a little light into the comic series of Secret Invasion? Because I have to admit, I never read these ones Uh so I would like a little background. Yeah, um, this came. The comics came at a very interesting time. It happened right after Civil War in the comic books. So Captain America is put on trial for Civil War, and he dies. And during his death, this particular arc happens where you find out the scrolls have been on Earth for a while, and they've been swapping out with heroes. So you don't know. Which hero is a scroll and which hero is actually who they are? And they discover this because the Avengers go to, I think it's Japan, and Elektra dies. But after Elektra dies, she's a scroll. And this causes Samuel L. Jackson to come out of hiding or find out. Yeah, well, yeah, Nick Fury, but in, in the comic books. <laughs> Let's be real; point, they drew him as Samuel Jackson before he was cast as I'll, Nick Fury. I'm, so. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if, if by this point, the ultimatum had happened and they had the colliding of the worlds. This might have still been like, uh, 
uh, old white dude uh, Nick Fury before they sure? finally. Well, the Avengers are. I, I got to reread. Was um Samuel Jackson looking Nick Fury? Yeah, I got. I remember thinking that was so cool at the time, and then they freaking cast. And we talked about it already. Yeah, I I got to I got to relook at the comic book. I can't remember if this is if this is uh Samuel Jackson Nick Fury or like uh, David Hasselhoff Nick Fury. David Hasselhoff. Yes. <laughs> um, in any case, uh, Nick Fury comes out of hiding because at this point he's he hasn't been the leader of shield for many of the years and he's trying to find out who the scrolls are, how deep it goes and where all the heroes are. That's, that's pretty much it. Um, it's, it's actually really good. And I, mm-hmm. I would urge any fan to read them. They're great. Uh, especially uh, the horror aspect of it. There's some real good horror mixed into it and it's it's great especially if you like uh invasion of the body snatchers i do big then, fan 70s version is so good then you would the original's lo- right too then you would love this well, i hope Absolutely that the love it. series itself is gonna live up to that because i mean episode one is hard to say well it's too soon to say well right yeah. off the bat the Samuel L. Jackson was told, don't read the comics because they're not doing the comics. Well, I mean, like, I hope they get the spirit of it. They got to do their own thing. Yeah. That would be nice. I hope so. Well, I can tell you right now, though, like, whether... uh, You're right. It's very hard to judge off of one episode, which is why, you know, I always love it when they drop, like, two or three at once, which they did not do. But uh, having Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson, and Talos, played by Ben Mendelsohn, as a team up spy Cold War type movie, you know I'm liking this. <laughs> right? Like I would just assume you guys would know that I'd be enjoying this. We also get Olivia Coleman. We get uh Emilia yep, Clark. Um, <laughs> that's her name. <laughs> get Martin Freeman. We get Kobe Smolders, who I'm always happy to see. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's a great cast. I'm, I think it's like it's okay. <laughs> I the great the cast is great. I fully agree with everything you just said. But as far as like episode in general, how was it? I'm like, it was okay. I mean, I've been very much enjoying it because it's spy stuff, but I could get it. I mean, like I said, like, by the way, Dermot Moroni as the president did not expect it, but I was like, I like it. Oh, I actually, he came on screen and I was like, wait, is that who I think it is? He's much older than I remember the last time seeing him. Yeah, he's got the, the Silver Fox version of him. Like when he was younger, he's too much of a doofus. There's no way I could accept it. Now I'm like, He's aged yes. into it. Like, yes. I can accept it. And we got like 10 seconds of Don Cheadle, which uh, is great, except for the whole like, are we going to do the same thing that they did in Falcon and the Winter Soldier where we just get like a brief cameo One by second. him? Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, let's face it. We need more Cheadle. I would agree. We're getting cheated on Cheadle. Cheated. Yeah. Cheadled. Seems. Seems. <laughs> Cheadled. Uh, the problem, though. I'll say for the first episode for me is we don't know who the villains are yet. Like it's all like, establishing who the villains are. Like we don't really know much of them. They don't seem very intimidating, right? They just seem like some young revolutionaries. Uh, so I want like a really good villain. And um, granted, you know, it's hope. the first episode. So maybe I just, that'll I feel happen. like I kind of hope that the young revolutionary scrolls who just want a home or whatever, like aren't actually the big bads because like they kind of did that. No, like, didn't we didn't we do this plot in Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yes, it seems eerily reminiscent of that. The thing that I like about this, though, is that we have Talos, who is, you know, 
going against them. And there is this some cool idea. I remember I, I was reading online on on Twitter. People were like, oh, how dare they like refugees who just, you know, are now going to be violent trying to take over. And like it's like this whole, you know, xenophobia. And I'm like, well, also this idea that you'd be refugees that were promised, you know, to be given resources and a home and 30 years go by and you've been marginalized and nothing's happened. I'm like, it. I'm fine with it being like you understand their perspective and they humanize them. Well, and I got yeah, that from this But then at the episode. end, they like, like you know, they're like we're trying to violence. build a home. Like, yeah, they do the... bomb a lot of people. And <laughs> should we get into spoilers? We're supposed to do low spoilers. Oh, nah, <laughs> rip it off. <laughs> I love it, Bridget. Yes, let's just rip it off. Um, can I just say Maria Hill? I was like super excited. I'm, not, that's, I'm also quite episodes. unhappy about that. She might not be dead, I'm but super she, she seems come on, guys. I get it. darn dead. Come on, guys. It, it, look, my problem right now with this series, I, it, I'm, I'm going to have several problems, but the one I'm going to talk sure. about right now is that it does feel a little bit too much like Falcon and Winter Soldier, like Emily has just pointed out. Yes, I agree 100%. She is right. She's dead right about that. No Two, pun intended. I'm waiting for the butt. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no but, no but today. Um, two. But and, but and. They seem to also be taking a lot from Winter Soldier, the Captain America Winter Soldier the comic book. Yeah. No, no, not the comic book. Oh, the the second, the second move, the second Captain America. Your favorite movie? movie. My favorite movie, which would be a a good thing, except for, you know, I like the spy thriller aspect, which is what. Winter Soldier was. Mm -hmm. But what I don't like is all of a sudden Maria Hill seems like she's dead. And I have a funny feeling it's a lot like Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury in the beginning of Winter Soldier. He even had the moment, they even had that moment where he puts the record on to, uh, I was like, come on, this is like, okay, I get it. It's part of his thing, but like, come on. I was thinking that a little bit. (sighs) It feels a bit. Yeah. Well, hey, here's the one that everyone really likes, and they co- constantly say it's up there with one of as one of the best. Let's just take that and copy it, but change it enough just to make sure. I we mean, don't like get, if that's mm-hmm. if that's the way the it teachers? goes, I guess it's better than like she's dead, because <laughs> that would feel a bit like just like like why why even bring her in? <laughs> Waste of What's her contract time? status at? <laughs> yeah, I just. I mean, that's kind of what well, I thought also it was. Too, oh, God. I, I guess the idea, too, now, it's a bit unsettling how they set it up in the sense that anyone can be a scroll. Like, you had Martin Freeman's character in the beginning, like, as a scroll. And then you saw Samuel L. Jackson as a scroll. So then I was hoping, I was like, maybe she's a scroll. And she was, and then she's remained was no, dead. She's dead. Um, first episode, I was like, dang. Uh, the pro- yeah, and I guess it did remind me a little bit of the Winter Soldier, not the Winter Soldier, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That was the series, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because I remember like the first two episodes, the stakes were super high, and then it kind of just like, like took a nosedive down, and I just. I really think you need to rewatch. I that don't show. like. I, I really didn't do. like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've discussed this. It was like number eight. No, I'm saying you're not allowed to have an opinion until you rewatch. No, I'm 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 saying I had slightly a more 
like lower opinion on it until I rewatched it right before we ranked all the shows. And I was like, wow, this is better than I remember. Now that we have a writer's strike, like maybe we'll have some time to <laughs> revisit some of these things in the future. Possibly. Well, did we... Do we have moments that we enjoyed in this episode? Actually, everybody seems to be way more down on it than me. Like, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was as, you know, hit as many highs as some of the other ones, even the shows. But uh, I did like it. I like the the Cold War tension, the spy aspect of it, where it's, like, less about just crazy fight scenes and more about, like, doing drops, right? And, like, you know, making sure you're, uh, you know, staying I do like that part. You know, there's a sense of... Like, Sam L getting to be a spy is really good to watch. So that's solid. Yeah. I I enjoy seeing Ben Mendelsohn. I actually love his character, especially that fight scene where um, Nick Fury then interrupts and shoots the other scroll. And Ben Mendelsohn's Talos is obviously <clears throat> upset about that. I actually love that tension that was there between them. Yeah. That, that, my favorite part was when he was like, everybody lies one time. You don't get a second one. Yeah, like that for me was like a, gr- a nicely written scene. And then the idea where he's like, "When we step in," and Talos, you can tell, is like, "No," because he doesn't actually want to kill this guy. He's like, it was a really tense scene that actually had some really good action. And I love it when there's a story being told with action, where it's not just like fight scene that goes on forever, but there was like a narrative happening. And uh, so I like that scene a lot. Yeah, that was my favorite scene by far in this episode. I think my favorite was. Sam L with Olivia Coleman and they're like chatting and I just feel like there's a lot unsaid. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Fury's got a lot of stuff up his sleeve that like we're not privy to yet. And I'm very excited to see how that works out because right now there's a lot of like telling. People are all like, oh, you know how Nick Fury is. And they're like, yeah, he's such he's so good at his job. He's so badass. He's really good with scrolls, but he's old now. And like they're just telling us all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, it's too early to, to say if this is a good or bad thing. Cause I, I know that like over the next, how many, how many episodes, seven episodes left? Uh, maybe six total or seven. I think it might be eight total. Yeah. However many episodes are left. Like I'm sure they're going to drop some knowledge on us, some like secret stuff, but, uh, and that scene well, will then nope, take on six, more context. Six episodes. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. It's a tight six. Oh, only yeah. six. Interesting. Okay. Wow. That's why they yeah. didn't release three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling. Wasn't this supposed to be like a film, like a feature film, and then they turn it into a TV show or something? I think it was always supposed to be a television series, but oh. at one point they flirted with it being a movie. But then the the Marvels, I think, it was supposed to be a f- hmm. uh, show that got then promoted to movie. I mean, I'm fine with six episodes. Ooh. I like. I think six episodes, as long as they're all tight good episodes is a fine number yeah but yeah that scene just two great actors yeah i do love olivia coleman i have like a little bit of a crush on her i think she's awesome like i haven't disliked a single thing she's in she is like the funniest human being on the planet (laughs) well what were your favorite moments well that scene one sam jackson olivia coleman i love that um I also liked, like, I don't, like, the introduction of Nick Fury in this episode, because it's just such a different Nick Fury than, like, what Mm -hmm. we've seen before, and I thought it was interesting, like, he didn't have, wait, like we said, he didn't have his eye patch on, he's rugged, he's 
just like he's like tra- like not traumatized but like he, he like he's gone through some stuff yeah he's changed he's changed um i like that i also really liked when ben mendelson is they're like i liked that duo when they like start going out in the field together and they're talking about like midlife crisis and uh he's talos is like well, like, I, I haven't even had my, like, halfway crisis yet, and I haven't purchased anything. And he's like, what did you buy? And Sam Jackson is like, uh, yeah. the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, I got the Avengers, yeah. I like that. I Because cool. I always think that he, Fury always had, like, some great, like, one-liners, like, throughout the series. So I do miss him. But it's it's intriguing. Also, like, you guys might be able to answer this better. Amelia Clark, is she the daughter of Talos? It is yes, his daughter. Yes. Okay. Okay. Just making sure. I didn't miss that. And we haven't seen her previously, right? This no. is the first time she's Well, no, no, her. you I guess you see young her in oh, okay. Captain Marvel. Oh, that yeah, cuz it takes place oh. like 30 Cause years. Cuz yeah, cuz Ben Mendelsohn was looking for his wife and and kid. So <laughs> apparently i forgot a lot from that movie <laughs> whoops um ben mendelson is great so it's like i have to say like for me that's what it works like you get sam jackson set and uh and mendelson just together and i'm like yeah okay like i could watch that buddy cop movie or buddy spy movie i think it's funny that everyone's assuming because they look at nick fury and he doesn't have the eye patch and the big leather coat and looking all you know, you know prim and proper that like he's lost a step you can see it like he might not know exactly what's going on, but he hasn't lost anything. And I think yeah. you're going to see that in starting in episode two here. Fair enough. By the way, has anybody here also saw, seen The Outsider? That was Stephen King adaptation on HBO with um, Ben Mendelsohn. No. God, it's like if you want to nah. be like why this guy's a great actor, I mean, I, it's really great. Like you should watch that. It's It's not fully great. Like it's like all Stephen King things. It kind of falls apart a little bit by the end. But uh, the performances are just killer, and uh, it has such a good tone to it. But anyway, it, like I've always enjoyed Ben Mendelsohn. Whenever he's in anything, I always liked him. But that show, I was like, I couldn't believe they cast him as the lead because he doesn't seem like a lead guy, and he just kills it as the lead in that one. So anyway, side recommendation. So should we get into what we don't like about this? <laughs> sure. Why don't you start? Look. Why haven't we had a Sam L. Yeah, show that, first off, this, this should have happened a little <laughs> earlier, I think. I think it would have been a little more poignant, but there's, there's some things that are very unclear. And I talked about this earlier, especially when talking about Captain Marvel, the reason why I didn't like Captain Marvel's movie that much was because of the way they introduced the scrolls. They introduced them as this like pathetic, like feel sorry for them because they're like refugee aliens. And that's not how they are in the comics at all. They are deadly, terrifying, terrifying. And like, completely like omega level threat they infiltrate other worlds cause civil disruption and then they come invade the world and take it under the um protection of yeah. the scroll empire and they're it's bad like the changelings guys. in star trek yeah exactly and they're they're horrible horrible beings and the only reason why they don't have a home planet anymore is because they kind of blew it up trying to build a doomsday device Nice. Yeah, I like that evil. The thing is, you could have had that be the evil scroll, and then there's a few good ones that are help, trying to help stop it. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. It would have been fine. Like, it would have been fine to do that. 
also they have this very cultish um religion to them which is one thing i'm missing from this it's something real easy they can sneak in that would make them so sinister that'd be great and that is every time they do something and it's like you know like they kill someone or they conquer someone they look out at the people or the dead body or whatever and they just say he loves you and it's a jesus christ be with you. <laughs> yeah exactly he just they just say he loves you and that's supposed to be like a whole thing about their scroll god and it's scary and it's terrifying I don't and like that's what that. was so good about the comics that's unsettling <laughs> i don't like that see that i don't like that no, but they could still do this like if they reveal it like this could happen in the series and let's so i'm gonna put a theory out there and it's probably <laughs> gonna be wrong but it would be really cool if like we start learning why they don't have a home planet. And it turns out they are total jerks that blew it up. And like, they're the refugees because they're fleeing this like violence they perpetrated. And then like, so in some ways it makes them into even more villains. But then we also see like the, you know, the Talos and some of them who are like, yeah, like we were never, we never wanted that. Like we were fighting against it, which happens, right? Like why do the, the, the revolutionaries all have to be like, young though they're, you know, they, so they're like, like they're like all of the young scrolls are bad except for maybe emily yeah. clark and all of the the one older scroll like the couple like they're they're the good ones like i well, don't know no just... because the <laughs> scroll that is leading the revolutionaries is not young ah he's just he, he just looks, looks young because they can shapeshift remember <laughs> Oh, and, yeah, yeah. He, and he was casted much later, so Ben Mendelsohn didn't have to. They weren't like, oh, well, we have to use Ben Mendelsohn and God, ah, nuts. But I, I do think they mentioned that their home world was blown up by the Kree in Captain mm-hmm. Marvel. So, well, I'm, I'm gonna use this as a theory, and it's probably gonna be wrong, but it would be the, the series that I would want to watch. Then would be that it turns out that they blew up their planet. Because of the, them being stupid and like violent, and yeah. now they're like, you know, so there's going to be like, it turns out they were refugees because of their own fault, and I think that's cool. Like, if they would do that, it's like, do they have to be like, oh, we're the good guys? I like gray. I like gray. And, and if you're going to do a, a spy Cold War movie, make it gray. So they're just like humans, but like better at at it. Like they have powers, Strong. but they're they just as like as ridiculous as we are like would would completely mess up their own home planet blow it up or something and then go try to find more and act entitled yeah, to it sounds sounds familiar <laughs> <laughs> uh my theory going forward is one uh maria hill's not dead she's gonna show up at a pivotal moment to help you know, it's gonna annoy me even more than killing her yeah um <laughs> Sam, uh, Nick Fury knows what's going on, like more so than what everyone pretends Nick Fury. Everyone thinks Nick Fury's been out of the game too long. He hasn't been out of the game. He's just been playing a different game. And I think he is uh, ahead, three steps ahead of everyone. They're, they're playing checkers. He's he playing be. the 40 chess. That is fully what I'm expecting. If not, it's going to yeah. be a real shame. And I think at the end of this, Either Ben Mendelsohn is going down or or Samuel L. Jackson's going down. One of the two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say it, but that's... Yeah. I haven't... Yeah. You, you think Sam Jackson's oh, going out? No, no I, I, I'm putting no. my money no, on Ben. No, I don't think Sam Jackson. I think, yeah. 
I think Tetlos. And I feel like it's going to have something to do with his daughter maybe killing him. Accidentally, maybe. Purposefully. No, I I see it. He has to sacrifice himself for his daughter. Boring. What if he ends up being the bad guy? Oh. And Sam has to kill him? What if he's a secret scroll? Also. A scroll within a scroll? <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like one of those Russian nesting he's dolls? Got his, yeah, exactly. He's got, like, he's got his face that he's chosen. They all know it. Somebody else could just also be the right? same Actually, face. Actually, now you think about it, like, we don't know what scrolls look like. Like, they all look the same to us. I mean, we're, I guess. Yeah, and there's going to be no 3D man with his glasses to be able to pick out uh, scrolls, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 3D yeah, it's man. a guy. Look him up. Not lying. That's 3D his name. man. Okay, my off-the-wall theory is that um, since Maria is quote-unquote dead, like Agent Phil Coulson, the Avengers come back. <laughs> OG Avengers the come original? back to Avenger because... You just yeah, want to get Tony Stark back, I know. <laughs> look, look, you know, they all felt bad enough about Phil that they all teamed up. That's the sole reason they teamed up. And so now that We're Avengers. Maria Hill's... Yeah, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. So that I think that's our coverage of episode one. Does anybody have any further yeah. thoughts? Interested I am looking to see, forward to the wow. next one, though. Yeah, interested to see what two. I mean, I seem to... I, I would put it mid-grade. Yeah, tell. it's too yeah. soon to tell, but I liked it. <laughs> Um, I liked it they, uh, higher, you know, waiting for up. the bigger hook, waiting for the big hook. Yeah. yeah. So we will be covering uh, all of these episodes in the weeks to come. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, it's time for strange new worlds. <laughs> yes, please. Welcome back everyone to the verse Star Trek university. I'll be your professor. Lucas Longacre. Give me just a second to uh, <clears throat> get my notes in order. Boo! Boo! Who said that? Uh, I didn't know. Oh, not, not me. Not me. Did you say that? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Norm, cut it out. We're going to get in trouble. Yeah, Norm. I don't want to have to do another report on the best and worst of Klingon cooking. Spoiler alert, it's all the worst. Okay, I might have to just like disagree on that, because because I, I, I've uh, I've who's, tried. Who's to... talking back there? Which one of you? Hmm? I get it, Bridget, but I came here for the Admiral, and now two episodes in a row, all I get is Lucas. Come on, what did I pay for? Wait, you paid for this? Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't pay pay for. You know what? Never mind. Lucas is doing great up there. So, so good of a job that it's almost like he is the Admiral. Look, I guess he's doing a great job, but I know the Admiral. I'm friends with the Admiral. I'm the Admiral's number two. And Lucas is no the Admiral. (laughs) Amalia. Seriously, did we just tell him? Tell me what? 
I think it's time he knows. Know what? What's going on here? <clears throat> Class, are you ready to begin? Uh, yes, Professor, yes, Professor Lucas. 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 All right, well, this class, we will cover Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Season 2, Episode 2. Tell me what, BB? Norm, do I need to move your seat? No, Professor. Good. Well, let's get started. Emilia, BB, what? Shh. Class has started. Okay, so episode two, Ad Astra Per Aspera. <laughs> Great name, by the way. Uh, I actually used to follow a band that was like an indie band called Ad Astra Per Aspera. It was great, so look them up. Uh, nice. But uh, what happens in this episode is Commander Una Chin Riley faces a court-martial, imprisoned and dishonorable discharge from Starfleet, which is a classic Star Trek, kind of more next generation, but a few of them did having a courtroom drama. And the thing we always love about Star Trek is it contains multitudes of different genres. It can be a Western, it can be a comedy, it could be a courtroom drama. And so this to me was just pure, lovely, classic Trek. And I'm curious to know what everybody else thought about it. Bonus points to this episode for using NASA's Creed. Oh, that's NASA's Creed. Yes, Ad it Astra. is. Ah, it's fun. I thought I'd heard it before. Um, I very, I really like this episode. I love a courtroom drama, as you may know. But um, it was cool. I mean, it felt very Star Trek. Like, they're really saying something. They got a lot of intention. It wasn't very subtle, but it was pretty well done. So I'm quite happy about it. I would have to agree. I will say that, like... The courtroom scene, especially like the long, drawn out dialogue, especially that lawyer, the civil rights lawyer, was so fire in this episode. Um, but the long monologues made me feel like I was watching an episode of The West Wing a little bit today. Yes, like the way they like came yeah. full circle and tied everything in. I was like, this, this, th- that might as well have been um, Martin Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm no lawyer. Not Martin Freeman. Oh Jesus. What? Martin Who? Sheen. We were just Martin talking Sheen about Martin West Freeman. Wing, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, listen, I'm no lawyer, but I can tell you, if you're going to have your witness who you're representing go on the stand, you coach them. You talk about what they're going to say. So I love yeah. that, like, both sides are just like, you're on the stand, you're up. You know, that's so silly. But I love it. I mean, it, I was getting... Hey, it's in the future. It's, yeah, and it's classic. differently there. And it's classic courtroom drama stuff, oh, yeah. like, with, within that that genre. But I love that what you said, Emily, which is you're like, it wasn't that subtle. And the funny thing is, like, if you go back and watch classic Trek, they never were subtle. It's always like no. So that's on the nose. That's yeah. one thing I wanted to say was this felt like such classic TNG Trek, mm-hmm. which is the Trek that I absolutely love. We've talked about this mm-hmm. season one, same thing. It felt like it captured all the classic Trek vibes that the other series that have come after like Deep Space Nine didn't really have, especially mm-hmm. the modern ones. Uh, Picard, even though Picard was great and Discovery, like, you know, they're not exactly capturing the same the same moods that the previous Treks did. Yeah. And I'm loving this about Strange New Worlds. And this episode was so good for that. Yeah. And I like that we also got all the other crew. So it wasn't just like, remember I remarked in the previous episode, I was like, I'm a little upset we didn't get Pike and Una 
I said, I'm assuming we'll see them soon. And we did because they dominate this episode. But uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that it was not only a Una centric and Pike had a heck of a lot to do, but they, they we made sure that we saw the other crew, how it affected them. They were part of the story, uh, which I really like. Like it, it, That's what I mean by cl- like when you say classic Trek. Yeah, it's like it's a whole crew, how it affects them, but it deals with real issues. And, you know, this idea of the things that I loved about it were, uh, you know, about discrimination and racism and refugees, right? It's like all these things that Star Trek definitely deals with all the time. And the idea that Una, who's, you know, was passing, right? And and the big reveal, actually, that I thought in this episode that was very dramatic in a way was you learn that she turned herself in because she was sick of living in the closet. So there's all these, like, super relevant uh, themes about what we're dealing with every day in our culture, right? With people being marginalized and, you know, saying like, I'm sick of not being myself, especially with this, all this anti-trans hate crap that's going on. Like there is a great message that's super relevant to what's going on. And it's like so lovely, thinly veiled, right? Like it's really thinly veiled. But this idea of her passing too, though, this idea that, you know, especially with uh, racism in the United States, right? Like there was people who were African-American, but they could like pass for white. And there's like a, a division in the community because they would in some ways get special treatment, but ne- never fully accepted in either community. Just really great themes that felt very resonant. And I have to admit, like courtroom drama at the end, they're d- giving their like speeches. And I was getting a little teary eyed. I was getting a little emotional watching it. And the fact that Star I Trek did. can do that is why I love Star Trek. Yeah. And the the lawyer, I feel like, you know, like it's no accident. Like she's definitely modeled off of like classic civil rights advocates mm-hmm. uh, of history. And yeah, I mean, Bridget said it, like she was yeah. fire. She, she was one of the it. best parts of the whole episode. Yeah. She was stri- she was straight bussing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> wow, Norm. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things too, though, that uh, was interesting is uh, I, I'm assuming you don't know too much about the, the eugenics stuff in Star Trek, Emily and Bridget, because you haven't seen a lot of the other properties. So what's a little depressing is I mean, I like that it ended with Una getting off. You kind of knew she was going to get off and not be punished because otherwise they'd like lose Rebecca uh, Romaine. Uh, but at the same time, <clears throat> she gets off, but the, nothing changes. It's like what the Supreme Court does. I thought that was actually very realistic. They're going to say, we're going to give this, we're going to give a, um, a ruling here that's going to protect you, but nothing's going to change with the legal system. And I thought that was actually really telling about there was something very honest about that. Right. Like they didn't overturn Roe versus Wade. Right. They're just like, we're going to let you get by because obviously that you were discriminated against in this one circumstance, but nothing changes, which makes sense. I mean, they're sticking to canon, which I don't personally, I don't care if they stick to it, but like they still have those laws in the books in Deep Space Nine that takes place like, you know, decades later. So or like a century later. So obviously this is a fight that's still going to be ongoing, which is a little actually sad when you see that woman like given you know, the reason she did the fight to begin with was try to, like, change the laws. Uh, so that is a little depressing. But it's precedent, hopefully, for the future. Maybe. Who knows? I thought it was great. I loved every moment of it, especially the closing arguments. Because there's, you know, um, I can't remember the Vulcan's name. He's right. She broke the law. Mm-hmm. But what... But then the civil rights lawyer, 100% is right. But is the is the law just? Is it just now? Was it just 10 years ago? 20 years ago? Was it just then? Maybe. 
But that's something that was just then doesn't make it just now. Yeah, just because it's a law doesn't make it moral, which I is so true. You know, like so many of our laws mm-hmm. are just garbage. Like they were written so long ago, they don't hold up. You know, and you ha- you have to fight for that. Just the, hiding behind the law is a, is a cowardly thing to do often. I agree. Yeah. But what, what kind of like messes me up is that this was a really resonant episode on a lot of civil rights issues. But in a lot of ways, like I feel like our current landscape has like spiraled way past oh yeah it's like this even (laughs) where they're like it's not even like oh this is an outdated law it's like no this law was specifically designed to like marginalize people and cause harm and cause pain and suffering uh simply because of prejudice and like like that is like that's the theme we're on now and i'm like i don't know maybe that'll be in a a future episode (laughs) of star trek but that's like i don't know maybe that would be too spicy or TV. I th- I, I think, and you know, right now you're right that at some point, you know, these reflect the mo- the modern times, and one of the things that I'm getting from this is that there's always going to be a next type of person who's going to be marginalized. That the sun just hasn't shined on that particular person yet to be like, hey. This is a group that will be marginalized because of these laws. I don't think that happens, unfortunately, until you you get around to it. And that's the sad part about laws and about society is that somebody's always going to be marginalized until we can shine light on the problem and be like, okay, this is uh, is a problem. We have to accept that it's a problem. Now, how do we fix it? And that's something I think that like what Star Trek is saying is like, listen, there's always going to be hardships. The idea is, is that we understand that there's going to be hardships and say, hey, Let's not wait too long to look into the hardships and say, let's fix it. So did either of you watch um, the other episode that Norm recommended or the episode I recommended from The Next Generation? Nope, did not get a chance to, not going to lie. So I got to see The Outcast, but I didn't get around to measuring Okay, so the reason why Norm said The Outcast, which is great for Pride Month, by the way, which is like, that was a yeah. great recommendation and I would love to bring it up and do a whole episode just on that episode <clears throat> of our podcast. Uh, but Measure of a Man, the reason I said you should maybe watch that one is because it's a courtroom drama and it's all about like what it is, what what is life? Like what is it to be alive? So it deals with all these crazy philosophical uh, implications because Data gets put on trial to be like, they're going to dis- disassemble him because he's the property of Star Trek. It's a great episode about like what it is, what is life? Um, and the reason I bring it up is because I actually I rewatched it and I was like I remember thinking that episode was so good, and after rewatching it I was like I still hold it up over this episode of Strange New Worlds. Great episode of Strange New Worlds, but Measure for Men is is, is hits on so many levels. Uh, so it's different. I, I highly recommend watching it. Well, because it also dips way more into weird sci-fi philosophical questions, which is why I love Star Trek. And not that it's like kind of unfair to compare the two episodes they're very different what they're trying to achieve but it's the idea of the courtroom drama um and anyway i do recommend both of you at some point if you can Uh, all this time i'm gonna be recommending next generation episodes to watch because it's such a good show uh but emily let's talk about briefly before we wrap this episode up uh what were your thoughts on the uh what's the name of that one again i'm sorry the um the outcast the outcast which is about a species that has uh gotten rid of gender so they're all like um, non-binary androgynous. or androgynous. Yeah. Well, a-gender. A-gender. Yeah. And uh, of course, Riker being Riker, nobody can resist Riker. 
uh, this uh, this uh, this alien he's working with ends up falling for him and admitting that oh actually our race does like people are not everybody conforms and like I have these feelings that I'm feeling female and I'm attracted to you and Riker you know of course falls in love with her now from them to her and uh, and you get to see this whole complex discussion about gender and identity uh, that's a that's wonderful and especially uh, it feels so ahead of its time actually that and that's that was from the 90s uh, yeah, see that but that's were, yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to check. I wanted Emilia and Bridget, since they were like, virginal to this series and especially this particular episode, to like weigh in. Like, does this still hit? Yeah. So, what were your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting because it's like it does feel ahead of its time. Um, like they, uh, I feel like it both aged well and mm-hmm. didn't. <laughs> Although I think the ending was supposed to be horrific in a bit. In a, yeah. In a way. The ending was fine. Like I felt, I felt it made sense that they would, she would be folded back in. Unfortunately, because like that's if it, it's like that moment of honesty that we're talking about with Strange New Worlds. Um, <clears throat> it's very obviously like a very thinly veiled commentary on on queer mm-hmm. rights, right, gay rights, and the uh, down to the conversion therapy yep. and everything. Um. And I and I actually don't think that it had really anything to do with like trans issues though because uh, or non-binary issues uh, because it's just like first of all that wasn't on the landscape at the time yeah, exactly politically. and and second of all this was clearly like that was their sci-fi thingy that they were trying to use as a as a medium to talk about um, to talk about gay rights instead so I think that it certainly wasn't like offensive like it didn't age badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> And I thought there was really good commentary on it. It was a nice way to like take a stand, like you know, on things. In and I know that at the time, like the production was very homophobic. Like they didn't allow any gay characters on Star Trek for a really, really, really long time. And so, and it's just like kind of a shame because, from my understanding, like people had been waiting years and years since the beginning of Star Trek ever. Like they've been waiting for any like nod of of queerness in their direction and this was kind of like all they got so i can see why it would be extremely disappointing that like it's just Riker and this like very femme yeah, yeah. No, i thought it would be way more interesting if it was played by a man instead of a woman personally but <clears throat> that would have been interesting and i think jonathan frakes wanted that yeah. but from what i read but they were not going to do that <laughs> no no, well, no that this, and, that was not the landscape of the nineties. No, not at all. <laughs> Especially it, early nineties. What's interesting though that you did point out, and I think it's true, is that there was a, and I know this is true for Doctor Who as well. There's like a huge queer community that has embraced these shows from like early on. So Star Trek has always had a huge, uh, you know, LGBT fan base, and so for them to get crumbs for so long, like this was a, a good. I really like that episode. And the funny thing is, I would st- I'll say right now, like that episode was m- pushing the the envelope more and was more groundbreaking than the one we just watched for Strange New Worlds. I feel like that Strange New yeah. Worlds one, you know, it, yeah, <clears throat> I like I what agree. they're saying, I like what they're doing, but it's not pushing the envelope at all. This this is the episode. Uh, the reason why I brought this up to Emilia and Bridget was because this is the episode I qu- I like reference every single time somebody tells me like, well, new Star Trek is really woke. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, have you ever Anybody watched a Star Trek? I've watched idiot. them all. I'm like, all right, here's one here's one of the prime examples of Star Trek being woke, and here it is in TNG. Go back 
If anybody says that, just point them to the original uh, series where it's like, I'm white on this side and black on this side. He's black on this side and white on this side. And they're like fighting a race war, which is so like, it's so ridiculously on the nose, but it's an incredibly good episode. Like go back and watch that because they they don't shy away from how obvious it is. Like, and that's the thing. And that's what I felt about this episode as well of Strange New Worlds. I was like, it's so obvious what they're doing. It's not subtle at all, but the message resonates. And I like the message. This is what Star Trek has always stood for is like exploring what it is to be human by, you know, extrapolating it out into the universe, into the world. It's great. People look back and they they take their civil rights for granted. They're like, oh, look at the things that people used to fight about. You know, like that was, you know, that's what feels revolutionary to them. And it was at the time, but like now there's new frontiers, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and, And they're like, you know, people just aren't as... When it comes to like your own time and like actually taking risks, like people don't want to do it. They get complacent, and especially if it doesn't affect them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you said that the landscape of this, that trans rights were not on the table, but even going back and looking at this, it still applies, right? I think so. I honestly, I think it's like, I think it works better as commentary on trans and non-binary issues <laughs> than it does. Because, uh, like, even with this concept of a genderless society, even the people that, the outcasts that decide that they do have a gender, they're all like, the girls find the boys and the boys find the girls. <laughs> like, even then, <laughs> um, they didn't, like, they, they couldn't, like, make a little gesture that way. So I actually think it works better as a trans commentary but i i'm not an expert to um but it was i mean i liked the episode overall though it was surprisingly um it was surprisingly like well written acted like they didn't like stumble around all the gender stuff and so well done one of the things i actually did enjoy about it was in the very beginning riker goes yeah you know this is the first time i've come across a genderless species so excuse me for um, the pronouns because it's not quite the way we would speak and really quickly there's that whole like I am trying and you know I hope you understand and Soren was like I get it we have a term for that but I don't think there's a, a translation I would have loved I would have absolutely loved it if Soren would have been like oh but here's our term for it it's called I don't know I thought uh, they did say that no, no. Soren Soren doesn't say it. I I rewatched it again oh, okay, yeah. again Pride Month and all that. But yeah, Soren doesn't say it. But it would have been nice, and I would have been like curious as like, hey, would the LGBTQ community would have like latched onto that and been like, hey, oh yeah, this yeah. is something that we can use. It would have been would have been cool to see. I don't, don't want to spend too much time on that episode, especially because Bridget yeah. hasn't seen it, and maybe our audience hasn't. But I will say one of my favorite things rewatching that was Worf, how he was like a little bit. He he's like, I feel icky about people without genders right which is a, a, how a lot of people that was very realistic. very realistic i appreciate and then actually, then he does yeah. the ride or die with Riker, where he's like are you going down on yeah. a mission there's no way my buddy's going down without me and then they just like randomly beat up some guards where i'm like that's gonna come back to haunt starfleet like they could just go beat up some guards <laughs> at a rescue mission but that's what you do for your friends you might not a, a completely agree with their politics or how they see the world but you know what you're willing to you know Go to the mat for them regardless because you love them and no, people don't always have to agree or disagree, but you should respect people. 
And that's why I love. And that's Worf. what he was doing. He yeah. was he was definitely respect. He was respectful of them. He was just like, look, just because I think that they're weird and odd doesn't mean that I'm going to stop my friend from following his heart. Yeah, so that's beautiful. It's cool. I also think by the end he was like changed, like subtly, mm-hmm. you know, because they. I feel like they confronted him at some point. They were like. Like, what about these gender norms? Or like, you know, how do you feel about this? And he was kind of like, he didn't have an argument. And I think that Worf seems like the character who's capable of reflection and growth. Especially so by I like to think that Picard, after that episode, where he's meditating. He... <laughs> right. So I think by the end of that episode, he I like to think that he no longer found their race icky and was generally cool with it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Bridget, um, are you excited? Are you happy with Strange New World so far since you've been left out of this conversation a lot? Are, are you enjoying Strange New Worlds, and are you looking forward to more episodes? Oh, actually, after this especially, I really like this episode. I think that they did a great job of, like, covering, like, a very intense topic without, I feel like, getting too much in the weeds. Like, I felt like it was, like, it, I thought the writing was very tight on this episode. And as, like, when we watched Strange New Worlds episodes in the past, I love the small, like, humor that gets tied into the episodes. I always latch onto the humor. And in this episode, for being such a heavy topic, there are some great, like, very subtle moments. Like, the one where Spock is, like, at the table talking with the eyebrow guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> they all have eyebrows. Yeah, but, like, yeah, his were, like, especially bad. The, the prosecution. <laughs> the prosecution. And they're not, like, saying anything. They're just, like, sitting there, like, staring at each other. And <laughs> the other two crew guys are, like... Like, trying to, you know, like, one is voicing over, like, what they're saying to each other. Like, nothing's happening. And they're like, no, they hate each other. Like, you can just tell. But nothing's happening. Like, Spock and this guy are just, like, sitting there staring at each other, emotionless, not really saying anything. And then Spock comes over and he's like, I'm, I'm so sorry you had to see that. Like, you know, <laughs> so sorry, like, I that. forgive my forgi- outburst. Yeah, forgive <laughs> my outburst. When, like, nothing happened, I was peeing my pants. Like, I thought it was so funny. <laughs> Of all my father's colleagues, he brings out the worst to me. Yeah. I was like, and it was so great because Mabenga called it. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Doctor Mabenga was telling Erica Ortega's like, no, 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 they hate each other. Can't you see the tension? Right. And she's just like, no, no. get out of here. And he does it. And I'm like, that. You're right. That was a very funny moment. And then I also loved the ending once Una gets back to the ship, like the very, very ending. And Pike like hugs her. And you yeah, can he's tell like, that he's like, Ugh. it's like a very subtle hug. And then he just like slaps her on the arms after. Yeah, the slap like, on the arm. Oh, man. Nice I job, like champ. I've done, I feel like I've done that same awkward hug, that arm punch like too many times in my life. <laughs> it was so funny because like that's like uncalled for. I Not uncalled for, but out of. Like care. the ordinary. Yeah. And I was like dying laughing. <laughs> like it was just, you know, way to go champ. <laughs> no, it was great. I mean, that's to me also like what Star Trek was great at always is having the humor that tempers the drama, like having that roller coaster. It's great. Well, Spock had yeah. that other moment where he was like, I knew she was hiding one thing. And I found that out to be that her love for like musicals. Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah. yeah. Gilbert Sullivan. Gilbert like, Sullivan. Like, really? <laughs> oh my God. I mean, it's a thing worthy of hiding, I think. Yeah. Don't, yeah, yeah. It's a guilty <laughs> pleasure. A um, yeah, same here. But anyway, so you're looking forward to but, more. That's good to hear. How about the rest of us? Yes. I mean, I obviously am. Oh, yeah. All right, Norm. Yes. I really like Pike. I mean, I know I, it's like, it's kind of like off brand to be like, I'm a really big fan of like the one white guy on the show, but he's just so like, 
I don't know, I aspire to be like that leaderly and decisive and like protective of my colleagues and my friends and stuff. He like he went to that like poisonous planet for Yeah. <laughs> and like risked suffocating to death uh just so he could get this lawyer. I'm like I'm like yeah. Wait, yeah, that I was actually like really that. funny when he was sitting in like in front of like her secretary and he's like I could like basically like I can do this all day and he's totally just <laughs> running out of oxygen <laughs> and he's just day, staring at her. <laughs> Like just like I can, I can do that. I swear, I'll just wait. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, Pike is lovable. He's such a good captain. Like in my the pantheon of captains, I love them all. But Pike is like shooting towards the top to being one of my favorite yep. captains of all time. Yeah, and uh, that's saying something. I mean, the, it's a it's it's very competitive up there, and I love it, Emily. You just embrace the the cis white male. Embrace the cis white male. <laughs> embrace. <laughs> In this case, maybe he's maybe he's not straight. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's true. Maybe you not just know. straight. If, uh, right, if you look right at Riker, yeah, Riker would small sleep with anything. <laughs> anyway, um, much. yeah, he's just a lovable character. He's so good. I mean, just the, the idea of how to le- how to be a leader. Like that's always the thing. Like Picard, in my eyes, when I was growing up, I was like, it was the first time I'd seen like a, a the the lead of a of a show that like listen, Kirk was great, super competent, right, great captain. It kind of became by, by the J.J. Abrams ones. They kind of missed the mark on what actually made uh, Kirk such a great captain. He wasn't just like sleeping with everybody, like you know, swashbuckling. He was actually super competent. Like that was his whole thing. He was just obsessed with his starship and being a captain. And then, uh, but Picard for me, like as a kid growing up, was like a role model to be like, you can mm-hmm. be a great leader by inspiring people and being very competent, right? Like, and how he he's like a little bit dispassionate, and removed from his his crew, but like how he you know, would be a leader. You, it's like you understood who he was. He was so trustworthy and confident. And then seeing Pike, who's like cooking meals for his crew. And like, you know, there's a, a there's a sense of warmth that he brings, but also trust. It's like such a different approach. And I love it. It's they, almost like the modern, the modern boss. They, they like did a focus group on what was the best parts <laughs> of each captain. And they stole it and put it in and smashed it and made Pike. That's exactly yeah. what they did. Yeah. They got a bunch of people who've had bad bosses, which is like, let's be real, yeah. everyone. <laughs> and they were like, and they were like, okay, take all that trauma. Now imagine, imagine the best boss. Like, imagine the opposite. That's what I try to do, man. When I'm on set with like filmmaking or all that stuff, anytime I'm working with people, it's always like, I've worked with so many pieces of garbage my whole life. Like, I'll just not be like them. That's a good first step. Anyway. Never, yeah, I always try. I'm just like, if I should ever manage somebody <laughs> or a team, like, I, I vow to never do unto them what has been done That's unto me. That's a good me. first yep. step. It's a good point to realize that sometimes you try to course correct so much, you go in the completely wrong direction, and then you screw up in completely new and interesting ways. But hey, that's the journey. <laughs> um, but it's such a good, such a good crew. I love this crew so much um, on uh, Strange New Worlds. It's so fastly becoming like, I mean, I love them all. Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, they're all the best. Voyager, I love them all. But this one is like so beloved at this point. It's only been one season. So I'm so excited for season two. All right, class, you're dismissed. Thank you, Professor. Thanks. Except you, Norm. You see me after this class. You know, I do have years. Yes, Professor. 
Okay, let's get going. Let's wrap up, guys. So make sure you subscribe to The Verse wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Apple, Google, Audible, Spotify, etc. And this way you can listen to all of our interviews with Jack Quaid, Anthony Starr, Terry Metalis, and many, many more. Yeah, totally. I was there for all of those. Yeah. Um, so until next time, if you want to follow me, Bridget, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BridgetBrogan16. And if you want to follow me, Norm Felker, you can follow me on Twitter at random underscore white guy. And if you want to follow me, Lucas Longacare, you can follow me at Luconian Logic on Instagram and on Twitter. And if you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at Emilia U. Finally, there's our producer, Stephen Pruzikowski, who's been looking to see if he can find a scroll detection unit. That's He's kind been of- scrolling for a scrolling detection unit. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Walked right into that one. All right. He can be found on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram as at Filmsnork. Also, subscribe to his new podcast, TV Topics, where he has interviewed guests like Rose Byrne, Patty Considine, and Christina Ricci. You can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching for TV Topics. Emily and I have both already guest starred on TV Topics. It's really fun. You should definitely check it out. Yeah. It is a fun time, and it has an okay theme song. That podcast theme song is rocking. Anyway. Wait, wait, way to plug it. Way to way to plug your own work. I said it was okay. I said it was rocking. <laughs> well, speaking of music, there's our music. Thanks for listening. Keep sending in those questions and comments on our Twitter page at the Versecast, and we'll see you next time in the Verse. The Verse is produced by Stephen Puzakowski. Booing in Professor Longaker's class makes me look like a big ass. Okay, nice. Only 999 more to go.